Welcome to the Boho News Podcast. Here, we share the latest news, comments and opinion from across the boutique, lifestyle and luxury hotel sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. This time, I'm speaking with Raoul Moronta, Chief Commercial Officer at Remington Hotels, about the future landscape of third-party management, the trends spurring Remington's expansion into boutique luxury hotels, and the opportunities for new projects. Raoul, absolute pleasure to have you join me for today's uh, podcast. And I'd like to kick off with a question about uh, third party management. Um, How is that landscape changing to support the needs of today's hotel owners? You know, it's a great question um, and very opportune. I think that pre-pandemic, there have been already a movement to consolidate a lot of the management companies and offerings that we have. And and some of these actually were started with the the acquisition of, of Interstate by Anchorage. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, that was probably, again, the largest, you know, I think largest hotel transition in terms of management company consolidation. Um, and I think that post pandemic, uh, there has been a concerted effort into consolidating even more. Mm-hmm. So you have, for example, Highgate um, bought Colony Hotels. That was also a very large transaction that happened. Um, in the United States, you also had Pyramid and Benchmark actually just um, um, join forces. Um, you're going to have TPG and Marshall that also join uh, forces. And I do believe that there's probably going to be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that um, uh, is because um, scale matters. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you have a certain size of hotels, and we believe we are the right fit, I think it allows us to have tools and systems in place um, that other properties or companies can do not have the luxury to do and mm-hmm. also provides career path for associates, whether it would be for general managers, directors of sales and things like that. So you have a company that has a large scale allows us, for example, the benefit of having uh, IT systems, uh, technology, um, HR, uh, revenue management analytics that, you know, a smaller company does not have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think one of the things that we believe is that bigger is not better. Better is better. <laughs> and that is a phrase that um, uh, Sloan Dean, our CEO, says uh, quite often uh, because we want to be the right operator. One of the things that happens with owners is that our owners do not want to feel that they're just a number. They want to have the attention and the accessibility to the senior leadership team to say, I have a challenge with my hotel. How can you have the right support for my properties? They want to have that intimate relationship with the organization because, you know, they have a lot of pride, A, in their buildings, one, and two, they also have that it's a pretty significant investment. Some of it has to do with, you know, um, um, wealthy individuals that have, you know, an asset that they feel a lot of pride on, or you have a, uh, an organization that would be a REIT or some sort of a uh, um, public investment that also has um, to answer for return of investment to their owners. Mm-hmm. So we believe, again, that, you know, some of these mega management companies may have, um, uh, may not necessarily be able to support the hotels the right way, but again, we have, I, I think, the right amount of hotels 
and, and intentionally go after owners that we believe are going to be in line with what we are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening to um, this podcast right now, do you want to paint a picture of how many hotels you have at the moment in the Remington portfolio? Absolutely. So we have 90 hotels in uh, only United States. Um, uh, we also have one hotel in Anchorage, Alaska, which we're very excited about. Um, but we only currently only operate in the United States. We have um, some opportunities to go in the Caribbean and potentially Canada as well mm -hmm. on the next couple of years. Uh, but out of those 90 hotels, uh, we have uh, about 80% of them are branded, you know, Marriott, Hilton, HD, Hyatt. We do have a very strong independent portfolio of hotels um, and soft brands as well. Uh, but again, we do operate um, in, in most of the, the, I think it is 25 states in the United States. Uh, we do have, again, um, a strong combination of um, full service properties as opposed to select service. Mm -hmm. um, and we have, again, a large number of, of um, soft branded hotels now that that's becoming obviously a, a very big trend for us. Mm -hmm. Which leans in quite nicely to my next question here. Um, I, I certainly started to pay greater attention to Remington when you started to move into the boutique hotel space. So what trends are spurring your expansion into boutique luxury hotels? Very good question. So um, if you go back to 2019, um, we, um, we Dean became uh, the CEO of the organization. And mm -hmm. in the past, we would have actually managed hotels on behalf of a small number of owners. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to expand and have a lot more diversity of ownership. Um, and having, um, well, we currently have 14 fully independent hotels and having a strong track record of performance of those properties now allows us to say, you know, we have a formula that allows us to uh, improve the performance of the hotels. We do understand the luxury in the independent space. Uh, and not just that, but inside of the independent uh, hotels, we have a lot of diversity of property types. Mm -hmm. So we have luxury properties like Bartisona Yonville in Napa. We have uh, leisure destinations, for example, like Pier House um, in Key West or One Ocean and um, Jacksonville, or uh, Lakeway Resort um, in, uh, outside of Austin, Texas. And aside from that, we have also urban independent hotels. We have um, you know, Chicago, we have DC hotels, we have New Orleans, and that allows us to have enough diversity of properties that we can manage hotels on any type of, um, uh, any type of location or setting. Uh, and just the fact that we also have um, those hotels, we have a 100% a IT stack with each one of them, meaning we have the same technology applied to every single one of the hotels. And that is key on the independent space because mm -hmm. that allows, that is the thread that allows us to combine um, our effort, whether it would be on deployment of revenue management strategies or deployment of uh, uh, digital strategies or sales strategies, because we have all combined under one. The other thing that I would tell you is that uh, that foundation um, of hotels, uh, us being able to say we can manage a luxury property and we can also manage a, you know, urban independent hotels has gotten a lot of attention from owners. The last one we actually uh, onboarded was Mr. C's in Beverly Hills. 
So that was a great property where you combine an independent hotel, um, a soft brand affiliation uh, with leading uh, hotels, and also allows us to have a connection to uh, the Cipriani family and Mr. C's. So again, it was a, a combination, a trifold of opportunities that allows us to have, we can have a fully independent hotel, soft branded, and also a, a food and beverage offering in here that is unique for those properties. Mm -hmm. I, every year we write a, a feature of um, six key trends that we expect are going to shape the, the following year. And I believed that owners were going to start diversifying their portfolios. I know from this instance, we're looking at it from an operational management point of view, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that it is happening and, and, and we are seeing this very much in action. I suppose something or, or another trend that might be spurring uh, new entries into the boutique lifestyle luxury space is the travelers themselves, guests and, and their needs and their demands. So how do you think guests' expectations of a hotel stay is changing? One of the things that has happened is that they're looking for unique experiences, right? So in the past, um, you know, the majority of our hotels would have been branded and they have a very structured uh, format with uh, guest uh, amenities and, and design and things like that. What has happened is I think customers are looking for unique experiences. They want to be part of something greater than a brand. And this is a movement that started, I think it is on the consumable space where they wanted to be part of a movement. Um, and some of that has to do, for example, with you know, uh, unique spaces, whether it would be a wellness appeal to it, uh, whether it would be a cause of um, uh, recycling, whatever the case it is, they want to be part of a story. That to me is, I think, what is driving a lot of these things. Some of the things, for example, that then the pandemic have added is uh, touchless. Mm -hmm. And touchless has become uh, the norm, particularly because, again, in uh, the era of pandemic, people do not want to have the least amount of, of obviously, uh, um, a contact. Because of that, you have an expansion of payment methods. Some of these technology already existed, but it was not widely used because, again, some brands and some other independent properties were not, did not have the ability to have the technology to have that. But because it became a norm, that was something uh, that happened. Keyless entry has been existed for a long time, but now people do not want to have their own. Uh, they don't want to hand a key. Therefore, they want to open their key with their phone. So some of that technology has come out. You also have, for example, uh, mobile check-in. Mm -hmm. So people want to be able to check in into a location through their phone, get their key through their phone and pay through their phone. Some of those things the technology has actually allowed us to uh, expand that. In the guest room, for example, we removed almost entirely all paper. So mm -hmm. the guest room compendium is already gone, right? You take a look at, for example, notepads, we would have had that in the past. That's kind of, kind of gone away. Um, you would have had some sort of a concierge desk. A lot of that would created a website that has created it, right? But one of the things that happens is that even though the guest is expecting to have a less, let's call it visible amenities, they do mm -hmm. still expect the service. 
One of the things that we have found is that they want optionality. They are saying, I understand you may not have service. I understand you may not have a uh, housekeeping service, for example, on an overnight, but I still want to have the ability to get new towels. I still want to be able to get more soap and shampoo. So one of the things we found is that we simply at check-in, we're able to provide the guests the options to say, we are, this is our normal pattern. We would likely not provide you with some of these things, but they're available to you if you want. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another example, food and beverage. Food and beverage has been one of the largest transformations from QR codes to, you know, menus to everything else, right? In the middle of the pandemic, we, um, a lot of our properties closed restaurants. Mm -hmm. I guess still wanted to have service. In a lot of cases, for example, we had a situation where we needed to provide room service and that room service needed to be in some cases mandated by the, 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 the city that some of that needed to be disposable. So now you think you're staying at an independent hotel or a luxury hotel, and now you're providing a disposable display of a very expensive meat. Even the, dis the, the disposal box had to be an upgraded quality. Mm -hmm. So they do expect a unique experience, even though they do expect that some of the services may be modified based on local, uh, um, local restrictions. Mm -hmm. So how do you think then that be it the, the amenities or the service or even the, the physical hotel product itself is now going to evolve as we see new needs, demands, tastes and preferences emerge? So, you know, I think guests still expect, for example, in the luxury space, I will give you these. Um, on the luxury space, um, even though the guests, we are saying that some of the amenities are going to be restricted, a customer still expect an upgraded experience. Mm -hmm. So even at check-in, we have things called um, points of destruction or surprise and delight uh, amenities. Take a look at, for example, in the case of Mr. C's in Beverly Hills, uh, the Gipriani family actually invented the Bellini. So a check-in, you do get a Bellini drink, right? Mm -hmm. They do expect that because they're in that uh, uh, luxury space. If you go, for example, to any of our hotels in either Barcelona or Yonville, right? Then we offer a drink, whether it would be champagne or whether it would be wine, because mm -hmm. it is locally relevant. Guests still do expect that. The other thing you're going to find is particularly in the United States, uh, leisure business, uh, uh, produced on weekends record high numbers, not just in occupancy, but average rate. Mm -hmm. Meaning a luxury guest, it is pay more now than they were pre-pandemic. Mm. If you take a look at Bartizono, Yonville, One Ocean, um, they had record years in, 2019, uh, in 2021. And the reason for that is because you didn't have enough uh, international travel. The wealthy uh, population in the United States were not traveling outside of the U.S., but they still wanted to go out and go to a place that they could actually enjoy. So those locations actually benefited from uh, the pandemic, significantly benefited from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They still expect those services to be available to them. Um, I do think, obviously, that some of the restrictions, um, you know, with regards to uh, masks and, and things like that, they will go away. 
Mm. Uh, but you will still have this touchless movement. Um, the other thing that was actually happening prior to the pandemic, uh, it was um, resort amenities. So these bulk amenities, so the, the shift into uh, not having your little bottle of shampoo or soap uh, and things like that are going away. A lot of that is going to dispensers. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was happening quite a bit. If you think about, for example, um, you know, your soap is usually liquid now as opposed to solids. Mm -hmm. So some of the small nuances, you are going to see differences. But again, the, 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 the independent traveler still expect a unique experience. They're mm -hmm. craving that. And because they are not traveling as much as in the past, every time they travel, it is almost a once in a lifetime opportunity for them to experience something unique. And mm -hmm. we as hotels have a responsibility that if a guest is overpaying for a, or paying more than they would have done in the past and also are not traveling as often, that we do have the responsibility to provide something to them that they can feel uh, it is something special that they can take home. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something earlier, Raul, and it's it, it resonates with me and again nicely links into my uh, next question that guests want to feel part of a story, part of a narrative. And I think something that boutique hotels do very well, particularly if they are housed within a repurposed building, say an old police station, an old HQ. There is opportunity there to, to feed a sort of design narrative and a whole experience around the history of that building. So with that in mind, where are you seeing greater opportunity here? Is it renovating existing buildings or is it new hotel developments? Very good question. And I think that we have seen kind of two trends. Mm -hmm. One is upgrading an existing hotel, right? So you take a look at, you know, a, again, a, a standard box and upgrading that. Um, however, every on the independent space, each property has to have a unique uh, uh, feature to it, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that is a unique proposition of physical structure. And again, mm -hmm. some of that has to do again to you mentioned uh, whether you is an old bank that you actually convert into a, uh, a great hotel, you either have a, a unique design. So if you mm -hmm. think about it, for example, in the independent hotels, they all have unique design or they have a story. Mm -hmm. They have to have a story and people want to be feel that they're part of something bigger than a hotel. They want to be part, as I said, part of a movement. Um, I think they also want to have these uh, uh, be part of a story. Mm -hmm. We're designing, for example, a hotel in Tucson, and there is some history around it where, but this is a homage, I guess, to one of the family members. Mm -hmm. So then that becomes a story that actually uh, generates everything we do. We have another property, for example, the Meridian that you mentioned. Um, it has a lot of story. The Hilton, actually next door, just uh, turned 100 years old, and uh -huh. that is where um, JFK actually stayed the night before he was actually um, assassinated in, in Dallas. Uh, so there's a lot of history behind it. And this is a building that was actually part uh, 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 next to it. So people want to be part of that story. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that, again, whether it is through design of the building um, or, or thread of a story, we have to have. 
The other part that we actually are seeing is reimagining historic buildings, to your point. You can either go at the history of the building or you can actually go at the history of the site and the location. Mm. Either way, people want to be able to see that when they walk into the building, they feel something unique. And whether it is the lobby, whether it is the guest room, the restaurant experience, everything they touch and feel has a story to tell in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So do you see independent hotels and, and, and soft branded hotels too as a key area of growth for Revington this year in 2022? Absolutely. I mean, if we actually take a look at it. We have 14 independent hotels. You mm-hmm. add soft brands, like for example, Del Paradox is another hotel in Santa Cruz. Um, again, has a great um, story in and of itself. The design of it uh, is unique. We're continuing that. We are currently designing, uh, we're in the process of four new design, uh, four new uh, properties. Out of that, the Meridian, again, is a repurposed building. Um, we have a property in Tucson. We have actually a property in Philadelphia. Um, and we have a property in San Antonio, all of which have three out of those four are actually repurposed buildings. Mm-hmm. And they all have a great story. If you take a look at it as an owner, right? An owner sees a value because they have a pride in their building. Mm. The reason why, for example, independent hotels are um, important to us is that they create, uh, again, as I said, from an owner perspective, you know, they have a story. If you have pride in your building, we can create something that is unique. Mm-hmm. If you are an investor, right, you have the ability to connect to either independent or soft brands and allows you to have more flexibility with, um, I wouldn't say brand standards, but allows you more flexibility with amenities, mm-hmm. services, features, and things like that. So we believe that that gives you what we call brand fluidity. Investors like soft brands. And the reason why they lack soft brands is because, again, you have a unique nature. As I say, you can be more brand and positioning fluid, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have the distribution of a major brand. And that is very enticing, particularly when you go to an investment banker and said, I want to put here, they want to say, well, an independent hotel may be too uh, risky but having a distribution backing of a major brand is also a very, very strong proposition for them. The chains have certainly um, seen the value in, in soft brands with the, I think there were three major launches uh, throughout the pandemic, Radisson, IHG and Wyndham, who all introduced a soft brand offering. But moving forwards for, for Remington then, and um, again, keeping with the independent soft-branded angle, my final question, Raoul, where are your target markets? Uh, we have seen, I can tell you um, what we intentionally look for mm-hmm. as opposed to what's coming to us, right? So we are intentionally, um, again, very focused on what we call the smile states of the United States. And the reason why they're smile states is because they basically go to the East Coast, south and the west coast this is a very common um uh proposition right you have uh, more uh, density in population mm-hmm. you have more diversity of customer base and again those customers do expect that in the middle of the country uh, we have a few opportunities has come to us 
uh, where, for example, in major metro markets, mm -hmm. you are seeing, for example, um, a, an independent brand, right? But if you're in a tertiary market, it is very difficult to do an independent hotel unless you have a very, very unique offering. Mm -hmm. Right. Unless you are a resort and then you have access to, you know, golf courses and spas and things like that. If you create a destination, then yes, independent hotels in the middle of the country, then you have a little bit more accessibility. So, for example, uh, we're looking at hotels in Scottsdale and Sedona mm -hmm. um, and Flagstaff that then you have to have a unique proposition because you're looking at now you have activities are the ones that kind of drive that independent nature of the building. Thank you. Thanks so much, Raoul, for your insights. It's been wonderful chatting with you today and I do hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Boho News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.